Chase Elliott back-to-back -back wins at the Glen. Is the summer slump over? I'd say so. And we've been waiting for Kyle Busch to go crazy this year. It happened, not once, but twice. Plus, Jimmy Johnson has a new crew chief and has words for Ryan Blaney. And are you ready for this? A Fubba Lead exclusive. Jeremy Mayfield calls into the podcast. That and much more coming up. You're listening to the Fubba Lead podcast. With Timothy Martin. And welcome into the start of season two. The podcast is back. We got a huge show planned for you. I'm not kidding. Maybe the biggest show in Fubba Lead history. No joke. Normally I say that every episode, by the way, uh, because I believe it. Uh, I'd also look to my right, and Connor would look at me, and he'd say something like, pinch me if you've never said that before. I know a lot of fans have been asking. Uh, they've been DMing me. Wondering uh, after Connor made the announcement that he's going to step away from the podcast, uh, he's got some other things that he wants to pursue. It's tough. Uh, I respect the decision. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm upset about it, obviously. Uh, we had some big things planned for this show. Jeremy Mayfield calling in tonight. Ray Everham going to join the podcast in a couple weeks. Connor and I created this thing together. We traveled the country promoting this show, making crazy memories along the way. I think about that trip to Daytona, almost in Daytona, and realized I'd left my wallet two hours away in Georgia. Had to turn around and drive back. Or something like sitting at Bubba Gump Shrimp on the other side of the country watching the All-Star Race. We'd already eaten our food, but had to continue ordering food just to watch the end of the race. Uh, and see what was going to happen at the end of that all-star race. We have made a lot of crazy memories along the way. And I don't talk a lot about my personal life on this podcast. Uh, but it's been a tough year for me. And doing this show, Connor and I really became best friends. And the experiences that we had promoting this show and those wild trips, go-kart racing and, and everything else, uh, proved to be a, a really... A really good distraction, and uh, you know, from what the other things that were happening in my life. We have some dedicated fans, though, who love this show and who wanted it to come back. I, when Connor said he didn't want to do the podcast anymore, I, I debated on whether or not I wanted to do the podcast anymore, and I, I uh, didn't want to do it, and then I did want to do it, and then I didn't want to do it, and ultimately decided let's let's do it. Uh, I've invested a lot in this show. I've invested a lot of time and a lot of money in a short period of time. This studio I'm sitting in is is new. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of great opportunities down the road for this show. And, I, you know, I hope Connor comes back one day. I know he's got a bright future in communications. He knows a hell of a lot about NASCAR, more than me. I never imagined I'd meet someone that knew more than me, but he does. And he put a lot of thought into his comments that he made on this podcast and the debates that we had going back and listening to those that I, I, I know he won those debates. I talked in circles a lot, but I know that his knowledge spilled out through these speakers. And let's be honest, uh, no denying that Connor was the fan favorite on the show. I know that you are sad. I know that this is not the same podcast as episode 30. I'm sad. I don't have him here to bounce talking points off of and create 
create those laughs uh, and, and talk about those, you know, whatever we're getting into during the week, to talk about those memories uh, and talk about, you know, that experience for you so you can, you know, just not contain yourself wanting Monday to get around here for the next for the next podcast. I speak for both of us, I think, when I say, well, I mean, we've absolutely loved making you laugh over the last 30 episodes and have loved getting to know and become friends with many of our listeners. I think of those trips down to South Boston, watching Daniel Silvestri and talking with Daniel, and he's been on the podcast a couple times and became good friends with him. Jordan Pickrell, watching him run that 88 car to Victory Lane, I don't know how many times at South Boston. Gabe, 48 Snow 7X, our number one fan who posts daily videos about the podcast. Gabe, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't always listen to those videos, but I know that I know that Connor did. I think that he'll be back at some point. I hope that he will be back. There is a spot here for him if he wants to come back. Uh, I mean, he he created this thing with me. And as I think about everything over the last 30 episodes, I really go back to that song from Green Day, "Time of Time of uh, What Is It? Time of Our Lives." From a racing perspective the last 30 episodes have really been the time of my life. Got a lot of racing to talk about on the podcast. Season two premiere, big show, and we're going to get to it right after the break. Crash. You're listening to Father Lead from the Man Cave of Mayhem Studios. Now back to Timothy Martin. All right, let's dive into some Fuddle Lead NASCAR nuggets. Word is NASCAR working on terms for a charter renewal. That would start in 2021, I think, and run, I don't know, three or four years. Um, so obviously the, the way it is now, you got to have a charter, or the charter teams are guaranteed starting spots in the race. Um, and, and it's obviously the better you run, the, the higher value you could potentially get for your charter. Um, so that is... That's something NASCAR is working on. I don't know if you saw this week. Uh, William Byron released Darlington Throwback Days of Thunder style. So they did a whole recreation video with Chad Knauss acting as uh, Harry, Crew Chief Harry from Days of Thunder. William was obviously to- Tom Cruise. And, uh, you know, that was that was pretty cool to see. The car looks the car looks really awesome. I think it's my maybe my favorite Darlington throwback. So check out uh, Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Fuddle Lee. We've got a, uh, a big uh, wide view of the car there for you to see. Speaking of cars, Richard Petty's 1970 Plymouth Superbird. Okay. So this is that car that he drove, that 43 car that had the wing on the back of it. And uh, it's like up for auction right now. And right now, the, the bid right now, I mean, we're not talking about $200,000, something like that. I think I remember Davey Allison's 1992 winning Daytona 500 car was like a, maybe it was $100,000 or $200,000 is what it went at auction a few years ago. Richard Petty's 1970 Plymouth Superbird right now, the going bid, $3.5 million dollars holy cow me uh yeah so 3.5 million dollars for that that's crazy speaking of crazy tony stewart um you know they had the whole race at eldora but stewart stewart uh you know he's he loves to flash uh flash that fire every now and then of course the video's out there uh some uh, some short track or dirt track or somewhere i'm not sure what a fan said to him but he he hauled ass around a truck and 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 i think he missed the punch 
He he swung at the fan, but I think he missed him. But uh, t- smoke was on fire, so it was uh, it was vintage Tony Stewart and and <laughs> swing and a miss. Um, oh, and did you see this? Uh, I think this happened uh, during the show's hiatus. I think this was at Pocono. Of all people to forget their steering wheel, it had to be Morgan Shepard. Morgan Shepard drives off. He's driving on the track, and the steering wheel's sitting on the hood. And uh, There's the video out there of the steering wheel flying off the car and rolling down the track. Holy cow. Now, uh, to to put this into a little bit of context, uh, Morgan had his steering wheel intact. But when they move these cars, when they, like, wheel them to the grid or something like that, they use a a bigger steering wheel. Um, I guess it's easier to steer them and, and, and get them to where they need to go because they're not being driven at the time. So typically what happens is you kind of park the car, you pull that steering wheel off, and, and, and some crew member just left the steering wheel left the steering wheel on the hood. But that was, uh, that was certainly interesting to see. Uh, of all drivers, it had to be Morgan Shepard. Uh, so the Xfinity race happened at Watkins Glen over the weekend. And that was a pretty good battle between Austin, Austin Sendrick and um, A.J. Allmendinger. Allmendinger almost won. He almost got back to victory lane. Now, remember what happened at Daytona? He was like, what, third in his return and uh, was DQ'd because the car failed post-race inspection. So Allmendinger almost wins the thing at Watkins Glen. Same team. The car DQ'd again with problems. Amendinger says there was something that happened during the race. NASCAR says they didn't see any visible damage. But man, AJ, AJ, every race he runs, he gets disqualified in. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with what's going on there. Uh, meanwhile, in the truck series, Stuart Friesen got a win at Eldora last week. I don't know if you watched that race. It was tough to pass. Um, a little bit different than races in the past. I'm not sure. Uh, what what the difference was, but it was it was certainly more of a challenge to to make passes at Eldora, and uh, Friesen was was uh, up at the front for most of the race. So they had a couple big wrecks, huge wreck. Uh, I don't know what turn it was in, but like all the cars piled into each other, and and that was uh, and that was something to see. But it was a pretty entertaining race. Um, we're getting into silly season in the Cup Series, and this rumor keeps uh, rumor keeps heating up about what's going to happen with Christopher Bell. We've talked about it on the podcast over the last few months. What's going to happen with Christopher Bell? What's going to happen with Eric Jones? And of course, Christopher Bell um, signed a contract extension with Joe Gibbs, and in that interview that he did uh, about his contract extension, you could see it on his face. He knew he was going to be in the Cup Series. In 2020, I mean, you could, it, it, he's a terrible, he has a terrible poker face. And so I've said all along, you know, well, I've, you know, I've thrown Denny Hamlin under the bus and said, well, Hamlin's got to go. But I, I've said too, that Eric Jones is, is got to be on the hot seat and, and Jones and them are talking, you know, the contract extension's not done. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, where's he going to go? Eric Jones says he met with coach a few weeks ago. Things are looking okay. Coach commented a few weeks ago that, you know, he sees a bright future for Eric, but there's a lot of moving pieces and parts involved. And then we get this from Matt DiBenedetto, who finished sixth at Watkins Glen yesterday. He was interviewed about his sixth-place finish, and then here's what he had to say. Fighting for my life, everybody knows. I see the headlines and all the mess in the media. I'm just... uh fighting for my life and my ride this is all I live for so I hope I can stay with this team I love these people they're so good wheels our pick crew all our guys they just lucky to be able to work with them I hope it's for a long time so what did 
what it boils down to is it, it, it looks like what, what could potentially happen is Christopher Bell goes to the 20 car. Eric Jones moves over to the 95 car, and they probably give a little bit more support from, for, from they probably get a little bit more support from Gibbs. So De Benedetto definitely on the hot seat, and um, that's got to be tough for him because he's such a good race car driver, so passionate about racing, and he was so excited. I mean, he left that team that he was running for last year without a ride. I mean, he said, I've got to do this for my career. He just quit the team and didn't have anything anything in place and then went to that 95 car, and they've gotten like, I don't know, it's like, five top tens in the last seven races or something like that. Uh, so he's, I mean, he is, he's outperforming the equipment that he's in. Even with this team, I mean, he is certainly showing what kind of a racer he is. And, you know, that's just, uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's the business side of NASCAR. And that's, that is very, very tough. And I would be, I'd be pretty pissed off if I were him because, you know, with as good as he's running and now all of a sudden here's this situation where, um, well, it's Gibbs again, who they need to find a place for a driver and somebody else is going to be somebody else potentially going to be out of a ride. The big news that hit from Pocono to Watkins Glen was Jimmy Johnson. So obviously Chad Knauss left the 48 car at the end of last year and they put Kevin Mendering on the box. Can't say I was ever really a fan of Kevin Mendering. He just didn't seem like he had a personality or, I don't know, he just didn't seem like he was interested. I mean, I, I say I'm just looking from a perspective. I, I, everybody who I've, I've heard from says he's a great crew chief and, and unbelievable, and, and he, you know, he's got a bright future ahead. He's going to do continue to do great things at Hendrick and all that. Um, just didn't seem like the right fit for the seven-time champion. Just didn't doesn't have a lot of energy. And obviously the 48 fighting for his life to stay in the playoffs and had fallen below the playoff cut line. And now, uh, so they leave Pocono and then word comes out. Kevin Mendering is out going to stay at Hendrick, but Cliff Daniels is in. So Cliff Daniels, he's like 31 years old, youngest crew chief. <clears throat> and uh, they had brought him back to the team. He'd worked with Jimmy for a few years, was part of that 2016 championship run. I think brought him back to the team. Uh, at Sonoma as the engineer, the lead engineer, and uh, Jimmy said it was a huge spark to the team, uh, you know, gave everybody a lot of enthusiasm and, um, you know, brought a lot of leadership. And, I mean, so Jimmy really spearheaded this decision. So Cliff Daniels uh, comes in to, uh, to crew chief at Watkins Glen. Obviously, uh, the, the goal at this point is to get Jimmy Johnson in the playoffs and then go from there. Uh, but I would say that it was uh, mission accomplished as we as as what they did at, at Watkins Glen had a you know they had an opportunity to do a lot better but um, they they came out of that race which we'll talk about in a little bit uh, uh, better in points but uh, the driver was driver was a little bit mad uh, so let's talk about the digesting of Watkins Glen. Um, uh, hello, I am a Chase Elliott fan. Huge win for Chase Elliott. Yeah, exactly. Chase Elliott dominate. I mean, this was not. Uh, this was not a, you know, hey, congratulations, you won the race, a good move there at the end. He dominated 
Watkins Glen led all but 10 laps of the race on a road course and you know a lot of times when when things happen and they have pit stops and stuff and and you know you know somebody who's led a long time gets back in traffic a little bit it's like oh well it's going to change the race it didn't change the race for Chase he drove right back up there and took the lead and I mean those last 20 laps I I've never seen a mistake free 20 laps like that on a road course he did a phenomenal job with martin truex i mean just right on his rear end the whole entire race so huge win for chase fifth win of his career second win back to back at watkins Glen. only like five drivers to do that in their career uh comes out comes off that summer slump holy moly chase uh hadn't had a top 10 finish in like six or seven weeks and then bounces back gets the victory um, so hopefully this is going to put them in the right direction as the playoffs loom. Here's what Chase Elliott had to say after that big win. Thank you guys. That was freaking awesome. I feel like I've never been so far from home. It felt like I was at my house. So thank you. Y'all are awesome. Uh, what a, uh, what a day, man. Such a fast nap of Camaro and, and these guys called a great race. Uh, just stayed mistake free and. Martin was a little quicker. I felt like those last two runs, uh, but the track position was king and, and uh, didn't mess up into one this time, so that was good. So just uh, just a huge thanks to everybody that makes this happen. Mr. Hendricks here today uh, and, and just a lot of people that uh, obviously have got me at this point. I wish my mom and my grandmother were here today, but I can't wait to see you guys when we get back home. Love you. So the Dawsonville pool... Uh... Pool hall horn was going off as Chase Elliott gets to gets the victory. Truex obviously uh, a second again. Uh, crazy how this race was uh, almost just an exact repeat of a year ago. the The big surprise from Watkins Glen, I think, was the tempers that were flaring, and it all really started on lap two. I mean, I thought going into this race, and uh, you know, I thought. I thought Kyle Busch was gonna was gonna be the person who dominated the race. He was start. He started like third, I think. And then coming out of the first lap, going down into the turn on the second lap, he spins out. And I'm like, what is going on? And then so uh, I think we'd all been waiting for Kyle Busch to lose his mind this season. And, and it, you know, it, it didn't happen to the degree as it has happened at some points in his career, but I think it happened at Watkins Glen. And maybe it's because he heard Connor was not going to be on the podcast anymore, and he just couldn't handle that. I don't know. But so he spins out trying to pass William Byron. There's not even any contact with Byron. He just spun out on his own. Then a couple laps later, he catches back up to Byron because he only lost like eight spots. So probably more than a couple laps, but probably like 10 laps later, 10 or 15 laps later, catches up to Byron, hits him going into the uh, bus stop or whatever it is, sends him through the grass, puts grass all over Byron's, Byron's hood. And then... We hear Chad Canals come over the radio and say something like, if you don't come back to the pit road with your front end all tore up or something like that, uh, you know, we're going to have a problem with you. So Canals basically gave him orders, go up there and destroy the 18 car. Well, as as Byron was going up there to try to destroy the 18 car, Kyle Busch watching in his rearview mirror and then slams on the brakes. Byron slams into him, destroys the whole front end of his car. Doesn't do really any damage to any damage to the 18 car, but um, and then uh, of course afterwards they asked Rick Hendrick about that. You know, it it goes down like back to what I said. I think uh, if you let guys push you around. And, uh, you know, 
you let them know that you're not going to let that happen. And I think he got the worst end of the deal when Kyle brake checked him and knocked the front end out of the car. But, you know, sometimes you, in the heat of the battle, you want to do things and you, uh, if you thought about it a little bit more, maybe you just settle down and go, go finish the race. But uh, in the heat of battle, and I, I didn't know Chad told him to, but if I'd had him radio, I'd probably tell him the same thing. <laughs> so you've got that happening. And then at some point, Bubba Wallace spins, and, and Bubba says it's because Kyle Busch hit him or something. So Bubba spins into the tire barrier, and then we see one hell of a beating and banging drag drag race down the front stretch with both the 18 and the 43 slamming into each other, uh, making huge moves to the left and the right, and then Kyle Busch made a very aggressive move to try to knock Bubba into the grass and into the inside wall, and then all of a sudden Bubba's car just kind of stayed there, stayed going straight, and then as they got ready to enter the turn, he hooked it right, spun the 18, <laughs> and Bubba, of course, went on a, a uh, uh, you know, a very, uh, what is the, he went on an, ex, 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 uh, what's the word, I, you know, he cussed a lot afterwards, and I mean, he said, he's not, I don't care if it's Kyle Busch, I don't care who it is. I don't care if I'm a rookie. I don't care if I'm a second-year driver. I'm going to stand up for myself. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. I'm not just going to say, oh, because it's Kyle Busch, he didn't mean to do it. I mean, let's remember, Bubba Wallace used to drive for Kyle Busch. So clearly, I think what we have, what we had happened here is, um, is Kyle Busch spun coming, off of, uh, coming into turn one on the second lap, and then he kind of let that destroy his entire day. Um, and I can't imagine. I, uh, radioactive is pro- is probably going to be one of the best of the, of the uh, season this year, this this uh, this week. I can't imagine what was going on, whether he was hitting the mic and talking or not. But um, I mean, he he kind of went went nuts behind the wheel, and and maybe he was just having. Maybe he just said, "Screw it," you know. I'm just going to go bump and bang everybody, and I don't really care. But uh, I mean, he did get, you know, I think Bubba got a better end of the deal than, uh, than William Byron did. But uh, Kyle, of course, uh, stormed off after the race and uh, didn't, didn't really have anything to say with uh, any of the reporters. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we got the Kyle Busch drama with uh, Bubba Wallace and William Byron. Then we've got Jimmy Johnson who you rarely see upset. I don't know that we've never seen him get into a fight ever. And and I remember there was years where we'd never saw Jeff Gordon get into a fight. And then remember that moment at Texas, first time I'd ever seen I mean, I saw him walk up at Bristol and he pushed Matt Kenseth. That's different. I mean, at Texas, when Jeff Burton wrecked him under caution and then they started walking towards each other and it was like this dramatic walk and then Gordon started throwing punches and um, and then, of course, the whole Brad Keselowski thing that happened. I mean, it seems like, and Gordon, that was Gordon later on in his career starting to get frustrated with performance and with the brakes not going his way. Um, and then he got that back, which I think is what Jimmy Johnson is trying to do. But uh, Jimmy's never thrown punches or anything like that, but he got pissed off because he got wrecked by Ryan Blaney. He got sent into the tire barriers by Blaney. Johnson had a huge day going, had gotten stage points in both the stages. And then Ryan Blaney comes along and hits him in going into one of the turns. And, and of course, Johnson not happy about that at all. 
Yeah, he just drove through me in, in the carousel over there. I was trying to hear what he had to say, but his lips were quivering so bad and he can't even speak. I guess he's nervous or scared or both. I don't know what the hell the problem is. He just drove through me, um, spun us out, and clearly that has big implications on what we're trying to do for the playoffs right now. So uh, clearly not happy with, with his actions there. And, of course, there's there's the video of Johnson walking up to Blaney and, and pointing his finger. And and I got to say, I, I'm a huge Ryan Blaney fan. But, you know, Blaney's facial expressions, he's smiling. He's, I didn't mean to wreck you with a big grin on his face. Um, I, he almost got punched, I think, by Jimmy Johnson. Almost got punched by Jimmy Johnson. That would have been a huge... <laughs> huge what a what a what if jimmy had punched him because you would have had a crazy weekend i mean i don't know whatever happened to uh alex bowman i've never heard his name during the whole race i don't even know if he was racing but so you got chase elliott wins the race you got william byron uh destroying his car on kyle bush and then you got jimmy johnson going crazy on on ryan blaney and here's what blaney had to say in response to johnson obviously you're gonna have two takes on the incidents i mean smiling right now First things first, I didn't mean to spit him out. Another I mean, smile. That's not how I raced. I didn't mean to do it. And, Another smile. Uh, I know what he's fighting for, but uh, he got off the bus stop kind of funky, and I passed probably 10 guys off the bus stop all day. I was getting through there really good, and he had old tires, and uh, thought he knew I was there, and he left more than a lane, and kind of came down. I checked up, tried to stay off of him, and he just kind of turned around there, but uh, no, definitely unintentional. I understand he's ticked off, and I can't blame him for being ticked off, but. Uh, not, that, not what I wanted to happen. I didn't run through him. I mean, I thought I was there. He thought he was clear. Just kind of one of those deals. Yeah, and Jimmy, of course, says he wants to race like that. Jimmy cannot wait to race him like that. I, I, I got to say, after seeing, hearing it is one thing. Seeing it is another thing. Having, see, having seen the Blaney interview, I, I, I think, you know, Blaney just kind of lost it for a little bit. And I'm not sure what happened, but he said, I'm going to bump him out of the way. And, um, you know, <clears throat> don't smile when a seven-time champion. I mean, we, the youngsters just went – Kyle Busch and the youngsters went crazy at Watkins Glen. Chase said, all right, I, I'm going to be the mature kid, and I'm going to go run off and lead every lap and win this race. But Byron, Blaney, Bubba, you know, Kyle Busch, who's not a youngster, but he's kind of the instigator, um, the bully, if you will. I mean, it was it was crazy. It was crazy to, to watch and see and – so, I mean, there's so many things that could potentially to, to, to keep an eye out on as we move away from this. Is the Byron-Bush situation done? Because I don't think Byron really got the revenge that he was hoping to get on Kyle Bush. Now, that um, I doubt that's going to come at Michigan. But, um, you know, I think down the road, if there's, any, if there's ever an opportunity for um, – for him to get back at Kyle Busch, whether it be at a Martinsville or a Bristol or something like that, I think he's absolutely going to do it. Uh, Bubba Wallace and Kyle Busch, what's the situation going to be like that? I mean, Bubba's not somebody who runs up front a lot. Kyle Busch not going to be around him a lot. But again, lapping him. Bubba may, may make it as hard as possible to try to lap him, those types of things. Uh, and then, of course, Jimmy Johnson and, and Ryan Blaney. And Blaney's had kind of uh, some run-ins in the past with veterans. Kevin Harvick and and Blaney have had some issues in the past. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see if this is just a one-race deal and, and then it's done or if it's, it's, if it's something more than that. But there was definitely a lot of drama at Watkins Glen this weekend. Uh, so here are the results. Chase Elliott, obviously the winner. Martin Truex in second. Denny Hamlin, uh, who had the big win at New Hampshire, 
finishes, I'm sorry, Denny Hamlin had the big win at Pocono, almost won at New Hampshire. He finishes third. Eric Jones, again, another top five. That's like four straight top fives for Eric Jones. Blaney ended up fifth. Matt DiMenedetto was sixth. New Hampshire winner Kevin Harvick was seventh. Then Kyle Larson, who's just kind of, he's kind of just been around this this season. No spark, but says he's coming back to Ganassi. I think that's a mistake. Uh, Brad Keselowski, who says, their road course program right now is terrible. He finished ninth. Joey Logano was never a factor. Um, he finished 23rd. Kurt Busch was 10th. Kyle Busch rebounded to 11th. Eric Amarola was 12th. Christopher Chris Busher was 13th. Alex Bowman, there's where he was. He was 14th. Didn't really hear much from him. Uh, Stenhouse was 15th. Um, you know, not a lot of not a lot of uh, big accidents that took drivers out. Uh, wasn't a good day for Austin Dillon. He was 31st. Uh, Bubba Wallace ended up 28th. So um, Ryan Newman took a big hit. He was 25th, and that has playoff implications because now the playoff picture is a lot more dramatic than it was coming into this race. So Kyle Busch has taken over the regular season points lead from Joey Logano. Um, and... Uh, you know, Logano second, Harvick, Hamlin, Truex, Keselowski, Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott. They're all locked in, obviously, with wins. Eric Amarola in good shape. Ryan Blaney in good shape. Alex Bowman in good shape. William Byron is in good shape. Uh, Eric Jones in pretty good shape. Kyle Larson, okay shape. Can't have a disaster the next four races or, or multiple disasters. But here's where it really gets close. Clint Boyer is 15th. Um, and he's about 12 points ahead of Johnson, who's in 16th. Johnson and Newman are tied for 16th in the point standings. If you go, if, if they ended up tied right now, it would go to Jimmy Johnson, I guess, by whoever, who's finished higher, I believe. Um, but then you've got Daniel Suarez. He's about 23 points back. So he, it kind of looks like Clint Boyer, Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Newman. One of those, one of those three, not gonna make the playoffs. And I'd say Johnson has some momentum right now with a new crew chief. Got some, could have, should have gotten a lot more points uh, than he did get at Watkins Glen, but still made the best of the points day. And then um, Clint Boyer, who's kind of just hanging around, like he's kind of just, I guess, doing what he needs to do. So that's a look at the point standings. Um, going to be interesting, certainly, as, as Michigan comes around. We'll talk about Michigan a little later in the program. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, yeah, big moment on for the lead. Maybe one of the biggest moments of the show's history. I promised a big season two premiere, and I'm going to deliver because we are going to have Jeremy Mayfield on the phone. That's right. Jeremy Mayfield is going to join the podcast. Do you remember this moment? A lot of you young young fans out there don't really know Jeremy Mayfield, don't really remember Jeremy Mayfield, but he was a pretty good race car driver back in the day. He was Rusty Wallace's teammate at Penske before Ryan Newman joined the 12 car. Had a great, had some great runs with Penske, ended up getting a, 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 you know three or four wins with Penske. Finished top 10 in the points. Uh, so, you know, Mayfield was, Mayfield ran, did some really good races. And there's one race in particular that I think stands out above the rest. We're going to talk to him about that one. And it's that race at Pocono back from 2000. Mayfield going for his second career. He's got to go. He, he out of the way. Earnhardt goes high. Mayfield is going to win here at Pocono. 
Dale Earnhardt gets rooted out of the way. We're going to talk to Jeremy Mayfield about that race and much more coming up on For the Lead. Crash! You're listening to For the Lead from the Man Cave of Mayhem Studios. Now back to Timothy Martin. And welcome back to the Season 2 premiere of For the Lead. I'm Timothy Martin, and we've got a huge guest calling in right now. Jeremy Mayfield is on the phone. Jeremy, thanks for being with us. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So how are things going with you? Uh, not too bad. It's uh, about as good as it can be, I guess. And, um, just um, based on dirt, dirt cars a little bit and dirt weight models, and um, it's about all right now. And I know you've been out of the kind of the NASCAR spotlight for ten years or so, and you mentioned you mentioned some of the racing that you've been doing. Are, how's that been going? Are you? I, I haven't been able to really catch up on on kind of uh, results and those types of things. But are you ra- racing every weekend? Are you are you having some success? Uh, a little bit, you know. We certainly want to wish we'd already won ten or twelve races, but we've uh, we've been running like top five most of the time, and you know, somewhere around there. And yeah, we won Livonia at the end of last year, and. Um, you know, we're, we're gaining on it. We're driving for a guy out of uh, Georgia and uh, or a team out of Georgia and just having a lot of fun. You know, we like the guys and, and just showing up every week and running all the different racetracks around that area and really just having fun right now. I would imagine when you go to tracks, you probably see a lot of those old NASCAR fans that certainly remember you, don't you? Yeah, quite a bit. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of Earnhardt fans, you know, back in the day, and uh, <laughs> we get to that quite a bit. But, yeah, the fans have just been great, you know, all these tracks and um just uh, got to see a lot of people, and you know, just every week we hear hear great stories about you know in the past and the way the racing used to be and all this stuff. So it's still good, still all good. And and I know you mentioned Earnhardt. You know, in the Cup Series, you had some huge moments in your career. And for young fans that may not, well, they don't know, and you know, um, who may not have have done any research on you, you had five Cup wins. I know you finished in the top ten in the points, especially during those Penske days. Uh, how often do you think about that? Was that kind of the heyday, the Penske days? Um, I'm not sure, you know, just kind of that whole, say, five, ten years there was pretty good for me, you know, uh, you know, I got to see a lot and learn a lot and work with a lot of great people at Penske and, um, and then, you know, I moved to Dodge and Abrahamsville and we ran pretty good over there, had some success over there, but I'd say around, yeah, probably around 98 to 2001 or two was, was definitely our, um, you know, as far as being competitive, it's probably the best I was, you know, and we were leading the points there in 98 and, uh. You know, raced on our quite a bit in 2000. Uh, just, you know, had a good time there going on. That, but that's pretty much the heyday of the sport also. So we were, we were kind of glad to be in the peak of that. Yeah, you know, the two moments that stand out for me um, when, I, when I think about you, especially in that 12 car, it was the 98 Daytona 500. You were right there in the picture as Dale Earnhardt finally won the Daytona 500. And then right before we, we went to break, before you called in, I played that clip of Eli Gold at Pocono in 2000 when he said Dale Earnhardt's been rooted out of the way. I remember in Victory Lane you said, you know, you didn't mean to wreck him, you just meant to rattle his cage, and you had a grin on your face. When you look back at your career, was that a top moment in your career? Yeah, I, I really didn't realize how big that was going to be, you know, that day, but uh, it certainly was probably the highlight of my career, and at least one of them anyway, if not the, the best. But, um, yeah, Earnhardt was, uh, it was fun racing that day, and um, you know, just, uh, I don't know, we've had a lot of good times with him. You know, like you said, the, the Daytona 500 at that time, and, and, you know, it was just fun racing the back end. He raced against my heroes, you know, I looked up to Earnhardt, and, and 
you know, Daryl Walter and heck all of them, you know, and, and be able to drive for Kale Yarborough and all that stuff. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, great time. When after you after you nudged him out of the way, did did he ever talk to you about that? Did you two ever ever have a conversation about that race? Oh yeah, the week afterwards, you know, I, I kind of stayed low and, and and stayed away from him for the first few uh, days of practice. And I don't blame you. No, he wasn't mad though. He was great. He he uh, he came up to me, you know, and and shook my hand, you know, and and, and smiled real big, you know. And I told him, I said, I thought you were going to be a little bit madder than that, you know. And he said, oh, I wasn't mad. He said. He said, the only thing that pissed me off was the stuff you said afterwards. You know, and he laughed because uh, he knew why I said it, and I said it because he did uh, Terry Labonte that way and said the same thing. So I, I thought that's the only thing that's going to get me out of uh, out of trouble with him was was just use the same words he used. And he couldn't really say nothing about it, and but he was cool about it. He, he really was. He, Earnhardt was great uh, for the sport, for everybody, the drivers. Um, you know, uh, he was just a true champion for sure. Uh, do you? I mean, I think everybody agrees the sport changed in in 2001 when he was killed at Daytona. I mean, what what do you think about that? Uh, did, the sport did it take a dramatic turn at that point? Oh yeah, you can see it. You go back and look and see. You know, and you know what we all knew that that something when he when he passed away that something big you know was going to change in the sport and and because there's nobody to replace him. You know, and and uh, Dale Jr. was there, but he wasn't quite ready. To, I think to take the torch and and at that time, you know, and 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 he and Teresa had their little deal going on. So, uh, you know, it's just weird how, how the sport definitely changed, went in the wrong direction. And Earnhardt was always there to stand up for the drivers and teams about, you know, if, they, if NASCAR was going to make a rule change, he, he'd go film if it wasn't a good rule. He'd say, no, you don't need to do that because this, 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 and this, and they wouldn't do it. And then I think when Brian France, um, you know, was in charge about that time, um, you know, he seen, seen that Earnhardt was gone and, and then um, – didn't have anybody to hold his back, so he just started, you know, changing the sport around, and that's when they started coming up with the car, you know, car tomorrow, and and all the other things they came up with, um, you know, now it's segment racing and and blah 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 blah, you know, all kind of stuff. We've all seen what they changed, and uh, it certainly hurt it, and and, that, and I think that all goes back to when, you know, we didn't have Earnhardt Barrett looking up for us, and uh, uh, you know, keeping on keeping NASCAR itself within range. So I, I, I get the sense by, by your comments that, that you're not a fan of the changes, obviously, stage racing, all the, the different changes with the cars. Um, what do you think about the state of the sport today? Well, you know, in the last five or ten years, it's really um, it's really turned, took a turn for the worse, you know, and I'm not sure what it's going to take to get it out of it now because, I mean, it's pretty dang far down now. You know, I mean, it's just run down to about as low as it can go, and, and – um, I'm not sure it's going to take something drastic, I'd say, to, to get it out of there. And I don't see anything in the future coming along that's going to be drastic enough to, to make that change. So, you know, I wouldn't think it's very good right now. And, and um, you know, but, you know, you talk to uh, NASCAR and officials and things like that, and, and they think it's going to be okay. But sure doesn't look that way from the outside. Do you watch Cup Series racing today? Do you have a favorite? Do you have a, a driver that you watch or, or some drivers that you, you know, you, you look at and say, you know, it's, I, I enjoy watching them. I'm a favorite of them. Well, I've tried, you know, and um, I think I'm just like any other NASCAR fan out there that, that when you turn the TV on Sunday and you see the lineup, you're like, well, who would I pull for? And, I, and I've really tried to look at it as open-mindedly mindedly as I can and try to, you know, look at it from a fan's point of view of who would I pull for if I was a race fan out here today. And uh, I'm not sure that I could find anybody because there's just not a lot of personality left in the sport. And um, there's nobody that's 
I don't know. It's just hard to find somebody like that, you know, that, that I would pull for myself, you know, and I'm sure race fans have the same problem. And you know, it used to be you had a, you know, the drivers had their own personalities and, and you had, you know, whether it's Ford, Dodge, Chevy, Toyota, whatever. And uh, so, you you know, if you were a Ford fan, you had a Ford team you could pull for, you know, and your driver matched up with it. And, and uh, you just don't see that anymore today. It's, it's hard to really even tell who's out there running as far as sponsors go. I mean, before you could look up and you see the black number three, you know, it's Earnhardt. The blue number two, Rusty. You know, I mean, the, the DuPont car was, you know, Gordon, you, you could – you could kind of there was branding built between the, the sponsors and the, and the drivers and the manufacturers in this day of time. You don't see that. You can't even read the sponsors. You don't even know who what car it is. There are different colors every week, and I don't know. It's just mixed up right now, and be hard to hard for me to pull for any of them right now. You mentioned the manufacturers, and something that's bugged me is is these restrictor plate races that we've seen this year, where it's like you've got an order that you are not to follow anybody but a Ford or anybody but a Chevrolet or anybody but a Toyota, and you're seeing crashes happen because drivers are, are trying to get back in line because they've got to get back in line because it's a car they're supposed to be following. Did you have it? Was there anything like that back in the day when you were racing restrictor plate racing? Well, you go back and look at the Daytona 500 that you were talking about with, when Earnhardt won. Man, that was racing all day long. We were beating and banging, and, and you know, I was running a Ford, he's running a Chevrolet, <clears throat> you know, and um, you didn't see that going on. And in this day and time, you got all this. Well, I mean, this, I don't know how to blame for it, but it looks like the aero package is off. I mean, they got big old spoilers on them added to them with the, you know, the leg sand around the top of the spoiler, and they got all kind of downforce. They got the back of the bumpers about dragging the ground and keeping all the air underneath the cars, and, and just a lot of things that just don't look right, you know. And, and and the drivers are just out there hanging on to what they got and trying to, you know, stay in the front, move move to the front as fast as they can, and and you know, then when you start get up there and you, you bump somebody, you might get in trouble and you, know, you, got, you can't bump them in the corners. You can't, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And if you go below the line, you know, you get to the tail end of the line or whatever that is. And uh, they just got a lot going on. I, I, just, I just don't know, you know, I don't know what to, what to say about it right now, but as far as all that stuff there goes, you know. Yeah, I've often wondered, you know, you take today's drivers yeah. and you put them in the cars that you were driving in, what type of a race would we see? Um, because, you know, obviously those were some exciting races back in the day for sure. Right, and, and that's something that, you know, you look from about 2000, 2001, all the way up to about three, four, five, you know, something like that, and it was good racing, you know, and then all of a sudden it, it just started going rule change after rule change after body change after manufacturer change, you just all kind of stuff was happening, and uh, the racing has just gotten where it just, it's just gone where you can't even really have a race, you know, and then... And, and, if you watch it, you know, it's a pit, pit stops have always been important, but it used to be able to go, you know, from 10th to 3rd or lead, or, you know, or if you had a bad stop, you'd end up 14th or 15th and come back up, you know, and you're just not seeing that anymore. You're seeing cars just take off, and they're just, they're so, you're down on horsepower and, and got a lot of drag or something, and everybody just kind of sits there and rides, and, and uh, it looks like the, the cars have slowed down tremendously. I mean, every track they go to, you watch on TV, it looks like they're not even running fast anymore, and, uh um, so I, I don't know what the difference is, but yeah, I, I definitely say if you head back in the direction we were all in, I mean, it seemed to me like it was better racing and a lot, a lot more fun for the drivers and everybody. NASCAR says, you know, they're listening to the drivers. They're listening to the fans. I don't know. I know you don't know, but do you believe them when they say that? Well, I, I don't know what, who they're listening to because whoever they're listening to doesn't seem to be giving them right advice, I guess, you know, but I don't know. I mean, when you got playoffs and, and racing and you got you know, segments that you got to win to get into the playoffs and all this stuff. That's just, 
I don't know. You know, they said they weren't going to do anything gimmicky and make any gimmicky changes, and that's about as gimmicky as it gets to me is what I see, you know. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I compare it a lot to football, you know, because they used to uh, want to compare, you know, all the ratings and all this stuff to NFL football. Well, well, you know, NASCAR changed it where now they got playoffs and half times and overtimes and everything else. And just imagine if you uh, if you took all the superstars out of, out of the NFL and you put high school football players right in their position and turn them on Sunday and let's let them play and see what see how the TV range go and how how everybody all the, the football fans like that they wouldn't like it at all because there's no there's no superstars in the NFL I mean there wouldn't be then you'd have a bunch of high school football players even though they got their helmets and stuff on but they're just not playing like the like the, all the people you know used to watch you know the you know they had superstars in the sport and made it interesting you had to work your way to get to the NFL and nowadays racing's like that you know you just got all the name drivers are gone and they're just plugging people in and and that's what you're going to have you know you're going to have a show like they have now and and i i know from the past you know your your displeasure with brian france i know a lot of drivers were never happy with brian france now that he's kind of it appears he's out of the picture do you think they're at all trying to right the ship or do you still see it going in the same direction well i don't see how he's totally out of the picture it's you know, he's pretty much the boss and pretty much owns the deal, and our family does, so I'm not sure if he, how far out of the picture he is. Maybe he's not being seen as in the picture, but um, which I don't know the situation he's in or whatever. But, um, you know, the problem you can see, right, when Brian took over the sport, and that is about the time, you know, the Earnhardt thing and all that stuff happened. But, you know, Brian, he didn't seem to listen to anybody, you know, and, and um, you know, he got had a good thing going. All he had to do was just keep it, keep the train moving. You know, and everything's going to be great. And somebody's upset it somewhere down the line. And he's the man in charge, and he's the man responsible. So, um, you know, a lot of people, when you ask them that, the reason a lot of people won't say that because they'll be in the same situation I'm in right now. You know, and, and uh, but I will say it and speak up for everybody who won't. And that's yeah, he is probably the, the the number one problem with the sport, and uh, or was anyway. I'm not sure where he's at now, but. Um, you know, nobody's going to step up and say that. And, and as long as they tell him what he wants to hear all the time, it's going to continue going down the road that's going. The whole deal that happened with you, uh, I guess it was back in 2009. Uh, for fans that know, that, that know anything about that, anything you, want to add, anything you want to say about that whole deal with Brian and how all that went down? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was uncalled for. The whole thing was uncalled for, you know, and it could have been a real simple fix. It was, okay, Jeremy, don't take any more Adderall. Even though your doctor prescribed it, don't, we don't want you taking that. Okay, fine, no problem. I would, I don't only take it anymore anyway. So, uh, it's just, just a bad deal, you know. And, uh, you know, he, he knows why, why it all happened and what all, what it all happened for. And uh, it's just a shame that, that he doesn't realize, you know, that the lives that he's hurt, you know. And it, it, I'm sure it hurt sports somewhere down the line. I'm not sure how bad. Maybe, maybe it didn't, but it certainly wasn't good for the sport. And, um, you know, but. What do you do? You know, I, I feel like what I was doing was the right thing to do, and I uh, stood up for what I believed in, and and hey, I paid the price for it. Here I am today, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't have changed my mind for nothing if I had to do it all over again and done the same thing. All right. One thing we saw at Watkins Glen was really tempers flaring a lot. You had Kyle Busch uh, with Bubba Wallace and. Uh, William Byron, Jimmy Johnson, and Ryan Blaney got into it. Did you ever have any? I know you had, the, you know, you had you bumped Earnhardt out of the way at Pocono, but did you ever have any fights with drivers, or, or did you ever have any, you know, just drivers that 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 wrecked you, or that you wrecked uh, that a rivalry that uh, just looking back when I was doing some research that I just couldn't see. 
No, I mean, I never had a problem. You know, and that's something in the whole sport. I think you guys, any driver or official or anybody, I didn't have a lot of problems. And, uh, you know, I raced and raced clean, done my own deal. And, yeah, I got in situations before and wrecked, and I accidentally slumped somebody. But it was a respect thing. You know, you go down and talk to them. Hey, we respected each other. And, and that was pretty much it. And, yeah, I, I got pissed off after a, you, you don't win or run second or whatever. But, you know, there's time and place for that. And, and um, you know, like I said today, when you, when you see those guys doing that, that it just looks so uh, – not bad because I understand they're mad or whatever, but just I think one they always look to me like one's afraid, the other one's glad of it. You know, when I see them on TV trying to do all that stuff, it's not really exciting to me. You know, what I mean to see that uh, William Byron or whoever, you know, going to go up and guess whoever out there. You know, just doesn't just doesn't like seem right. I guess you know, it's different if you've seen Ricky Rudd and uh, you know Dale Jarrett or Earnhardt and Wallace or. You know, one of them guys, but to see two kids out there fighting on the playground didn't seem to excite anybody, I don't think. Right. Do you ever keep up or talk to anybody that you raced with back in the day? Yeah, quite a few. You know, I see a lot of crew members and uh, a few of the drivers every once in a while. And, you know, it's kind of the same situation that, you know, everybody's kind of, uh, I'm out here on the island by myself, you know, pretty much as far as that goes, as far as the sport goes, you know, because uh, if you are, if you were to try to help me or, or you know, or say something to me or be all talking to me or whatever, and, and uh, one of the officials or NASCAR, we'll say Brian France anyway, saying you're doing that, then, then they'd be in trouble. And that's what everybody fears in the whole sport. You know, they're all afraid to say or do anything just because of him and, and what he can do to you and, and, and do your career. And um, So I don't blame any of them. You know I mean? Just do what you got to do. But I, I definitely see the ones, you know, my friends in the past, and still they're still all the same. And, um you know, got a lot of support. We've got a ton of support, you know, from a lot of people, a lot of race fans out here. So that's the main thing. As we wrap this up, um, looking, I guess, toward your future, what uh, do you have some goals or what? I mean, what what would be an ideal racing success in the future for you? Well, I'm working on some stuff, you know, to do more dirt car racing, late model racing, and uh, you know, I like uh, doing what I'm doing. You know, it's been a lot of fun and just trying to um, pretty much. Uh, you know, put my own deal back together if I can and be able to run my own, you know, dirt away my own stuff and just have a, you know, in my, in my career that way, you know, that's where I wanted to be anyway at the end was, was dirt racing and dirt away my racing anyway and, and just going from there, you know. All righty. Well, Jeremy Mayfield, we appreciate you uh, calling in and, and really talking to us and giving us an, an honest assessment of, of how you how you view the sport today. Oh, I appreciate that, man. No problem. Anytime you need me on, call at me and I'll be on there. Absolutely, and thanks again. We uh, we truly appreciate you being on. This is season two, the season premiere for the lead, so big episode for us. Okay, sounds good, buddy. Thank you. All right, take care, Jeremy. See you. Wow. Man. Uh, gosh, wish Connor was here for that. Um, what a What an interview. What an interview. You know, I was kind of – you kind of get hesitant because of, of everything that Jeremy went through. If you want to, if he was going to talk about things and, and I mean, it's clear that there was uh, no holding back from, from Jeremy Mayfield. Great to get his perspective on the sport. Uh, huge, huge for the lead ex- exclusive with Jeremy Mayfield. Uh, certainly we're going to have him back on the podcast uh, and, and appreciate uh, his time. No doubt about it. And for you NASCAR fans out there that are, are young, Go to YouTube and, and, and YouTube that 1990, uh, or excuse me, YouTube. Well, watch the 98 Daytona 500. He was in the mix. And watch that 2000 Pocono race where, as we heard, Eli Gold say, Dale Earnhardt's been rooted out of the way. Great interview.
We'll be right back with another special guest, Crash. You're listening to For the Lead from the Man Cave of Mayhem Studios. Now back to Timothy Martin. And welcome back to For the Lead Season 2. You know, I've been calling this Episode 31, but I guess technically it is, as Gabe pointed out in a video that he did, uh, it is technically Episode 1 of Season 2. Is that right, Gabe? Yes, sir, it sure is. So we've got Gabe on the phone, uh, and I mentioned in the uh, in the open that he's... Uh, Clearly a number one fan of For the Lead. Gabe, how's it going? I'm doing great, buddy. How you doing? Doing great. Uh, we just got off the phone with Jeremy Mayfield. Yeah, I heard. I heard that. How how was that? I how mean, was it? it was it was it was a, a very interesting interesting conversation with Jeremy. Uh, not a fan of the sport as it is today whatsoever. Um, oh my, that's surprising. I mean, Jeremy uh, really opened up a lot more than I was anticipating. And uh, he, I mean, he really talked about, you know, what he sees as problems in the sport and how it all boils down to Brian France. Oh, yeah. I, I, I definitely do not doubt that. So uh, good to have you on. I, I know yeah, you're. you're it's, great. it's great to be back. It's been a very long time. I know. I know. It's good to have you here. Uh, I, I guess talk to you about the big news, uh, Jimmy Johnson big news. You're the biggest Jimmy Johnson fan in the world. Uh, yes, what did you? Th- no, I know everything down to his birthday. So. Oh, well, that's good. What did you think about the move to uh, to get Kevin Mendering out of the picture? Uh, I th- I, th- I thought you know putting him as a senior role was a lot better idea because you know I mean maybe uh, especially I think it'd be better if he would get if he would go actually go back to junior motorsports to help without help out with those younger drivers like he did with Elliot Sadler. I mean I know he wasn't very young, but. But you know he he's now one of the senior roles at Hendrick Motorsports, which I think is better for him because he's I think he's a little bit older than Jimmy, and Cliff Daniels has been with Jimmy Johnson since I think what 2014 I think. Yeah, he and then the, he, then he stepped away for a little bit, and then he came back, and I know they put him back uh, as a lead engineer in Sonoma. Yeah, yeah, they put him back as the race engineer, and, and, and the the only the only thing that I could see is I was listening to the NASCAR America podcast. When I when I'm not listening to y'all, listening wait a minute, Gabe. America. Gabe, huh? uh, you're listening to other podcasts. Well, it's NASCAR America. I don't have cable, so they post it on the podcast app, so I can listen to the episodes. So I just can't watch it. All right. Don't worry. You are still my favorite podcast. I promise. I swear. So what were you? What was? What were you originally saying? What do you mean originally? Saying? Well, I don't know. Oh, you were saying something. Um, I was listening to NASCAR America, and they and they were and. They were saying I they th- they thought it was a great idea because the difference between Kevin and Cliff is that first of all Cliff was there when Jimmy won his championship in 2016 he was the racing engineer and he's been there since 2014. I thought it was a great idea because first of all Kevin and Jimmy their that you know their um personalities didn't really mesh together like they yeah really Kevin seemed it. very I mean he seemed he just just seemed like he was bored he looked bored. Yeah, I mean, my, well, and it's and I was listening to Jeff Burton when, and Jeff Burton was saying, "Look, what or, or no, Steve Latart. Steve Latart was like, when when I when Jeff Gordon gave me the job as his crew chief back in 2005, he told me, "You got to step up and tell me what to do. Give me better ideas. You know, tell me your ideas. You know, Kevin didn't do any of that. In, in my book, I don't think he did. You know, he, he never motivated Jimmy. He 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 always said was four tires, two tires. Let's do this. Let's do that. He did, he wasn't like, hey, let's try this idea the next stop, 
and see what it does. He, he, he didn't plan anything out. He's so new to the Cup Series, you know, and, and he's definitely new to being the top guy for the top guy. But with Flip Daniels, I mean, yeah, he might be he might be the youngest crew chief in the Cup Series right now, but he actually has a little bit of Chad Canales' brain because he was right under Chad Canales right, yeah. when they had that big championship season. And, and obviously uh, the Watkins Glen race happened. We heard a little bit of audio in the podcast from Jimmy Johnson and Ryan Blaney. Are you oh, pr- are you pretty upset with Blaney right now? I didn't, I didn't really see the replay. I mean, when they showed the replay, Jimmy was already spinning. They were going to, what, the carousel, I think? Yeah, I They were coming remember. off the S's. I'm and, not, I can't uh, remember. Yeah, well, I think they were coming off the S's, and I guess, and I guess Blaney was already there. So, I mean, I can't blame Blaney for, you know, go ahead and opening up the inside line. I think it's the fact that, you know, Blaney didn't really give him the room that Jimmy was on because Jimmy was crowding him. He was down there, and all of a sudden, there goes Jimmy flying into the tire barrier. And I was like, well, dang. I had, something, something tells me I knew that was going to happen today because I really had a good feeling about today. I had I had a good feeling about today's race with the new crew chief and everything. And, and, and you know, Well, they got huge stage points, and they brought it back to all square for the playoffs. So they're tied for 16th. Yeah, that's good. But, yeah, and they got Michigan coming up. And the last time Jimmy won there was 2014. But – Something might happen. So, yeah, what's your I, what is your prediction for the rest of the season for Jimmy Johnson? He's he, he's hollering at the door of the top sixteen. I mean, yeah, he's already in the top sixteen. We we all know that he's what twelve points or zero. I don't know. No, he's he's tied. He's zero. He's he's tied for sixteenth. He's got the tiebreaker over um, Brian Newman. I uh, see. See, I, I'm I'm kind of glad Newman had a bad day because I really like seeing that. <laughs> but what I see happening is that is that when, when Kevin Mendering was here, they were just so quiet because Kevin Mendering was quiet, you know. And now that Cliff and now that Cliff is here, and Chad Canales was on race seven. He said, "When when now that Cliff is here, he's gonna he's gonna spark this energy that everyone is gonna love about Cliff." And he's going to motivate every single one of the crew members. And, and I think they're going to have a good rest of the season. But in my eyes, with Cliff Daniels being with Jimmy Johnson, and, you know, and heck, they scored seven playoff points. How long has it been? Since, I mean, and heck, Jimmy won Pocono, stage two at Pocono last week, which surprised me. But that was when Kevin was with him. But with the rest of the season, I think it's going to be – he, he, he's going to be in the round of 16, but he is going to have to do a damn good job trying to get into the round of 12. All right, here's my prediction. He's going to make the playoffs. I don't know where he's going to fall out of the playoffs, but I'm going to predict he's going to make the playoffs, and he is going to get a victory this year. Okay, good. Whew, now, I don't you. know if okay. that – he may already be out of the playoffs when he gets that victory, and I think it could come at Martinsville potentially, but he's going to get a victory this year. Well, yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's like Chad said, they, they – Jimmy – and the crew, they don't have a good summer swing. But once the playoffs come around, that's where they're like, hey, we're going to go ahead and knock on this door real quick and see what happens. And obviously in 2016, they knocked on the door, and sure enough, they blew everyone's shoes off and won the championship. You know, I mean, I mean honestly, I think he's still sleeping. But he's going to wake up eventually. At least I hope he does. 
(laughs) (laughs) Right, I know, Uh, because he's he's certainly still got the drive left. All right, we're heading to Michigan this weekend coming up, Gabe. I know you've been wanting to do picks against me, so I'm going to go ahead and make my picks for Michigan. Ooh. Uh, I'm taking Chase Elliott. Mm -hmm. I'm taking Joey Logano. Oh, don't take don't take the twins again. I'm not going to take Brad Keselowski. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm going to take Kevin Harvick. Okay. So, so I'm wait, taking I Chase. I can't, I can't, so I can't pick those three drivers. You can't pick those three drivers. Okay, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, and you're going to be very surprised that I say this, so I'm going to pick Jimmy Johnson. Um, I'm going to pick Ryan Blaney. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! We are gonna hate my last one. Since he's had since he's had a top five and a top ten this season, I'm gonna go with Matt DeBenedetto. I was just about. You know what? I was thinking you were gonna pick somebody like Kyle Busch, and then I was gonna ask you, "Oh, what? You're not gonna pick Matt DeBenedetto?" Um, so there you go. All right, Gabe. Well, so- yeah. I mean, he, he finished sixth at Watkins Glen. He, I mean, I mean, because he, he said in the interview, he says, "I cannot. T- I, I, I have so many people to thank for the opportunity because." I never even heard of the guy when he showed up, and all of a sudden, one season, he's with, he was with um, the 32 car. I think it was Go Fast Racing he right. was with. And then when uh, as soon as he went to Levine, all he said before before he went to Levine, he says, "I just want good engines and I want good cars." And he got it, and now he's got he's got two top fives and two top and two top tens in, in his career. And one of those top fives and one of those top tens is this season. There you go. So I mean, he's he's doing very very well. I'm I, I say he probably wins one of the plate races this year. Okay, let's. You're getting a little carried away. Um, no, I'm not. I think he I'm led, gonna. He led, he, he led fifty laps of the Daytona 500. Well, I know I was there, um, uh, but I'm gonna outpoint you by fifty points this weekend. That's my prediction. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, well, we've gone super long on this podcast because we had Jeremy Mayfield and he had quite a bit to say. Uh, but Gabe, yeah. uh, you know, we know you've been a huge supporter of this show, uh, wanted to have you call in on the season two premiere of Father lead. And we certainly appreciate it. Yeah. And, and all the Father leaders listening out there, um, you, I, I had a couple of your, uh, of our fans text me or DM me and they said, who's the one going to the Greenbrier? It is Timothy himself. If he hasn't said anything yet, he is coming down to West Virginia, hopefully, in September for the Greenbrier Classic or the Military Tribute. And the Dillon brothers are going to be there. Tiger Woods is going to be there. Hey, that's going to be huge. I, I am so much looking forward to that. Yeah, and, and the cool part is we got the West Virginia State Fair coming up next week. Wow. So, yeah, Boom. we have a lot going on at the Greenbrier. And more good news about you since you're a big golfer, Timothy. I can actually get you on the Greenbrier or the Meadows course for free after two o'clock. This is huge. I mean, this is this is this is a huge, huge moment. That's definitely going to happen. Yeah, and another update: the 18th hole that I kept on showing you and tagging you in at the Greenbrier. They have now set up grandstands around it, so we are now setting up the grandstands for the military military tribute at the Greenbrier. Awesome, that is awesome. All right, Gabe. Well, thanks so much for being on, and I guess we'll we'll end it with uh, something that you like to do, and I'll say crash. Trouble. All right, so there you have it, Gabe. Uh, great to have him on the show. I know he's been a huge fan, as I mentioned. Um, this has been a huge episode. I promised you this was going to be a huge episode of for the lead i believe it's been our biggest episode yet 
Um, I want to thank everybody who has been a listener of this podcast. Everybody who has laughed at this podcast over the last 31 now episodes as we enter season two, episode one, it's truly been the time of my life and I look forward to bringing you more excitement. As I mentioned, we're scheduling Ray Evernham to join the show, so we've got a lot of great things that are happening. But at the end of the day, you make this show happen and your support makes this show happen and... I don't care if one person listens to this podcast. If that one person is entertained, uh, that makes it all worthwhile. It's been a bittersweet episode. It's been a, a difficult episode to do. We all know why. But thank you. And thanks again to Jeremy Mayfield for calling in and giving us his honest opinion of, of how he sees things going on. We will be back next week. Season 2, Episode 2 of Father Lead Crash.